Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome aboard, everybody. Jim Strader in the studio, eager to talk with you this evening. We're going to do open lines tonight because there's so many things popping on the outdoor horizon that I thought this would be an appropriate venue for another open lines show where I'll do my level best to answer your questions about what's going on in the outdoor world. In that regard, let's get down to some observations that I've had over the past week or so, some of which will be no surprise to you, but I'd love to hear your observations, pro or con, on what I'm seeing. And obviously, uh, I'd love to have fishing reports for many of you who've been out there fishing. I know there's lots of fish activity starting to increase as this weather hopefully has started to stabilize a little bit. We got a bunch of rain in the forecast coming again this week so we'll see what that does but it's the up and down fluctuation in the temperatures that have been a big point of concern to me uh, for a number of reasons let's discuss those real quickly in terms of future events or what would appear to be somewhat ominous in some regards are these big heavy frost that we keep having on the heels of warm spells, which uh, give a false signal to the plants and trees that spring's here, and then all of a sudden we'll get a temperature swing into the 20s. Uh, That's become especially of concern to me here recently because the oaks have started to pollinate. Uh, I've been several locations around the state over near Shelby County, down in Nelson, uh, Bullet, etc., and a lot of the oak trees are in pollination and were when we had that freeze here, uh, this most recent freeze, and that can burn those uh, pollen pods on those trees and really curtail the development of acorns for this year. Um, that situation was even more pronounced in terms of how many of the oaks had already pollinated the further south and west that you went in Kentucky and Indiana in particular, Indiana to a lesser degree, but as you moved down into the western portion of the state, it became fairly acute down there as well. And these constant cold spells that keep coming through have everything out of whack. Let me give you some examples. The water temperatures at most of the lakes are still just now approaching 60 degrees which is about five to seven degrees below normal for this time of year. And while that may not seem like a big deal, it is definitely prolonged spawning activity by a lot of the fish that we normally rely upon for our spring run of fish for 
white bass, for example, or, or the crappie spawn even. The crappie spawn has been very spread out and is continuing to be so. And I think you're going to see a lot of crappie still coming to the banks and, and uh, nesting over the next week or 10 days. Normally by now we're starting to taper off a bit, but I don't see evidence of that, nor have I heard that from most of the anglers I've talked to. So I'd love again to have any fresh reports any of you may have had. White bass spawning activity and crappie spawning activity tend to kind of go hand in hand, especially when you're speaking of uh, white crappie in particular. The black crappie do tend to spawn a little earlier, but this year the temperature's been hovering in the lower 50s for weeks on end during the spring period, and these cold fronts keep sweeping through, keep putting the fish off the nest, putting them off the nest, and the females have been holding their eggs. I did crappie fish some this week, and the females that I caught still had eggs, so uh, I'm certain in my mind that we're going to see a prolonged spawning situation. White bass activity was real good this week. Um, it really started to pop about mm, last weekend. Again, the cold spells put it back a bit, but I'm a pretty good believer in the old, some people call it wives' tale. I don't think it is. Uh, situation where when the dogwoods start to bloom, and they're in good bloom, the crappie and white bass will be spawning. And it's not too far off. Uh, it has a lot to do with soil and or water temperatures reaching 56 or so degrees up towards 60, which, of course, is what triggers the spawn in those two species of fish. And I'm sure most of you have noticed that this week the dogwoods did indeed start to pop. The red buds started last week. A lot of them got burned by the frost. Uh, and we'll see how they come through that. But the dogwoods definitely came on in kind of a surge with this warm weather that we had on the heels of those frosts. So the temperatures going forward don't look very extreme, so I'm hoping that holds us in good stead. Same's true to the turkeys. Um, we had one of the more dramatic breakups of the smaller flocks, the winter flocks, of course, broke up right around the 1st of April, but the smaller flocks where you had three and four gobblers trailing three, four, six, eight, ten hens, whatever the case was, they've broken up and the gobblers are starting to cruise now. And I think you're going to see as these temperatures stabilize a lot more hens, uh, not only laying eggs, but they'll start nesting pretty soon. And that, again, is a little bit behind schedule. Um not so much so in the western part of the state, but throughout the rest of the Commonwealth and in, in Indiana, most of the birds are still in the breeding cycle. Uh, hens are roosting in isolated groups with a gobbler or two roosted alongside them. And the gobblers have been very, very busy in breeding process in the mornings and doing a lot of cruising in the afternoons. And some of them have been <laughs> extremely difficult I, uh, hunted turkeys this week uh, with my good buddy Paul Thomas at Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty, and uh, I had two birds I tried to work, and neither one of them acted like they cared if there was a hen there or not, which is not unusual for this time of year, but Paul harvested a real nice gobbler that had exceptional color in its plumage, and, and there's a picture of it up on my Facebook page 
which is Jim Strader Outdoors on Facebook. It's been a, a weird weather period, and, and uh, we'll see what it brings. We're going to get anywhere from probably one to two inches up here. Some of the areas down in the west and south of here are expecting as much as uh, two to three inches of rain the first part of this week. So that's definitely going to put a little bit of damper on things. Bass fishing has been pretty good, but nowhere near as consistent as it normally is this time of year. Again, it's because these fluctuations in the fronts have got everything kind of goofed up. All right, we've got uh, open lines again tonight. The number's 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. We've got Mark and Dan holding on. We'll get to you as soon as we're back from this break. This break is presented by SMI Marine, Legend Bass Boats, Starcraft Pontoons, Express Aluminum Boats for crappie, panfish, and catfish fishermen. Check them out, SMI Marine on Facebook and .com. We're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. Again, we're doing open lines tonight, talking about anything outdoors, any questions you got about hunting, fishing, the current status at uh, turkey season time. Reach us, 571-8484, 1-800-444-8484. And let's go to Mark, who's been on hold. We got R.J. Scott, Mike, and Dan will be up. Next, fellas, if you'll hang on. Let's go, Mark. What do you got for us? Hey, uh, out here for laying a limited crappie. Caught this afternoon and one yesterday afternoon as well. But uh, they're not up really on the bank yet up here in uh, southeast Indiana. But uh, soon will be. A couple more days of warm weather and if the moon is right and if the uh, you know water temperature continues to increase. But all the eggs I'm finding them right now are not, you know, like you say, ready really to uh, to spawn. A uh, few, few more days away, but it doesn't look like it's very far away. But uh, my question is, uh, or a statement and a question, uh, I really enjoy fishing that Ohio River system. And this past year, I never could get down there because of river conditions to uh, do any sauger fishing in the fall or winter, either one. So uh, I'd like to go down there and do some uh, crappie fishing in the backwaters and the creeks above the uh, McAlpin Dam. You got any idea what the uh, water condition is there? Hi. High and, and it's like if, uh, let's see, the lower gauge at Louisville is like above 40-something feet, so it's really rolling. Uh, I haven't personally observed it, but I do know that it's high, and, and that current reading was like at 45-something. It's supposed to drop out and start to tailing off, but it's it's got a long ways to go before it's down anywhere near normal. Now, the are you going to be fishing the creeks? Yeah. Well, the big key there is obviously going to be how much that backwater uh, has dirtied things up and or um, how fast they start dropping the water. But I, everything's just late, Mark. It doesn't seem like to you for normal? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, you know, I've been fishing for 40 years, 50 years, I guess, and uh, it certainly does seem to be late. I'm just kind of listening to your uh, introduction there, your monologue. I uh, agree with you, a little concerned about some things, not only just for fishing, but uh, wildlife, deer, and so forth as well. But, yeah, it seems mighty late this year. Yes, sir. Well, we'll, we'll keep you abreast as best we can, but I think you're going to have to have a little bit of patience on, on fishing those crappie in the river this time. 
Okay, buddy. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Let's go to Dan. He's calling from Indiana. Yes, Dan. Hey, it's Dan Corbin at Muscatuck Christian Ranch. We had the Freedom Hunt this weekend, Jim. Had 28 handicapped kids that went, and uh, they got 13 birds. A lot of them were sitting pretty tight. Uh, some kids uh, heard birds, but they didn't get close enough to get a shot. We had 13 happy kids that got turkeys. Um we just had a lot of people that worked hard uh, to pull this off. And I messed up Tina Tucker's name last week with Bass Pro. We appreciate Tina, her husband, Jim, coming up from Louisville. We had kids all the way from North Carolina, Jim, Jim come to Indiana to uh, hunt turkeys. What do you think about that? I think it's fantastic. And really, that's a pretty good good uh, percentage of taking birds from everybody I've talked to. This hadn't been a real easy uh, early part of the season for a lot of folks, yours truly included. Well, we just had a lot of happy kids, and had a boy by the name of Corey Smith that caters this event for them to feed. And boy, they fed a lot of people and did an excellent job. And just had a lot of happy, fat bellies. Had a lot of camo walking around the church camp, and this was a great time. And uh, we're looking forward to to next year. And uh, I told them that I got to send a shout out last week on your show, and everybody would like to thank you for what you do. We appreciate your show and appreciate being able to talk turkey and being able to talk fish and hunting and everything, Jim. We just appreciate you. Well, thank you so much, Dan. Is there a website folks can go to to see the festivities and stuff? Is there anywhere? Yeah, it's uh, Freedom Hunt, the Southern Swing. Freedom Hunt, the Southern Swing. If they look that up, they'll find out all the information they need. Very good. I appreciate you getting back to us, and I'm delighted it was a success. I couldn't wait. I tried to get, just since you got on the radio, I wanted to call you up. I, mean, I got I to tell him. I mean, I went down there yesterday with my camera, and there was little kids running around. Take a picture of me and my turkey. Take a picture of me and my turkey. And I said, yes, ma'am, I will. We had a deputy sheriff that came down with his dog, and one of the conservation officers came through and talked to the kids and encouraged them. And, boy, it's just a great weekend. And what a great uh, weather God blessed us with this weekend for us. Yep. Yep. Well, thanks for getting back to us, Dan. I appreciate it. Let's go to Mike. He's calling from Corinth. Uh, he's got a Habitat question. Yes. Uh, yes, sir, Jim. Uh, I called you last fall about uh, clearing out uh, a bottom piece of my property along the creek, which uh, turned out great. Clover came up great. Uh, really got a lot of deer moving through now. My question is, where I, where I cleared it out, I have probably uh, – five or six large uh, debris pile. I'm talking uh, 20 feet by 8 feet high. Uh, is, is there any benefit to leaving that, or should I burn it? Is it just going to draw snakes? Um, well, are, are rabbits part of your equation that you're trying to accommodate, or do you have – is that the only cover rabbits would have around there, or is it augment maybe I, some briar and other stuff that's off to the sides? Uh, well, it actually backs up to a, to a lot of briar. Uh, I hadn't thought I, I'm not a rabbit hunter, but uh, I was more concerned about drawing snakes, and uh, I didn't know what type of uh, dens coyote and fox used. If that would be a an attractant for them, uh, I don't want that. Not uh, a post rabbit at all. Yeah, I I'd be inclined to tell you to leave them. They provide yeah. habitat for a lot of things, honestly, and yeah. Uh, we have seen some bobwhite over the last couple of years, not a lot. I didn't know if that would help them or not. No, no. Brush uh, pile is not much benefit to them, but it certainly is right. to rabbits. And if groundhogs get it, 
it get in there and utilize those brush piles, which I kind of doubt they'll do because it's in the bottoms. Um, yeah. That's subject to flooding, but I don't know. You just kind of got to use your own sense about whether or not you'd like to get that out of the way and be able to maybe plant that as well. So. Yeah, yeah. I I just uh, if, if if it was a benefit, uh, it would be le- uh, less work for me. <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Scott. He's calling from Breckridge County. Yes, Scott. Hey, Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine, sir. I've only got about a minute, so I can either be patient uh, and get you on the flip of the news or however you want to do this. Well, uh, if you don't care, I've got, a, I mean, I've got like a, it's a elaborate question, I guess. It's my beagle is like picked up like two baby rabbits. I mean, he, he treats them like a kitten and he <laughs> brought them in my front yard and they're babies. And I don't know what to do. Okay. Well, that is a pretty <laughs> unusual I mean, situation. A, I mean, I mean, my beagle—he's just—he's outside dog. He's the best dog with the kids. I mean, I agree that beagles are the best. And he'll go chase a rabbit and run them and all that stuff—a big one. But he is so gentle as a lamb with the baby ones. He picked them up by their neck. And just brought them and set them right in front of my porch. I'll be darned. And I don't know what to do with Well, let me scratch my head about that on, on the news break, Scott. That's pretty unusual. We got RJ on hold. RJ, appreciate if you can hold through the news. Again, folks, we're open lines tonight. Numbers 571-8484-1-800-444-8484. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty, M-O-P-H-A-R-T, Realty.com. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. Again, open lines tonight, eager to talk to you about questions that you may have or observations you've got about the hunting or fishing around the region. The numbers, 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. I'm going to return to uh, Scott. RJ's still on hold. RJ, we'll get to you in a minute. Scott, your question was, if I understand it correctly, you have a beagle that you have hunted with in the past, correct? Uh, no, sir. I'm sorry. He's he's like just a family pet, and I mean he's outside all the time, and he'll he'll chase a rabbit, and we've used him to we've shot a deer, we couldn't find it, and boom, he'll go find it. But and he'll chase a rabbit, but he found like a nest, I guess. Okay. And he's bringing the baby rabbits. I mean, he'll pick them up by their neck, just like their mommy does. And brings them right to my porch. I see. And he will not, I don't know what to do with a baby rabbit. Well, the best thing to do is, if you possibly can, try to figure out where in his ramblings he, he found them. Because if you can get them anywhere near the nest, the mama rabbit will find them. Um, okay. Uh, that's the it's best just, advice I can give amazing you there. To me, it's amazing to me that, you know, he's not that aggressive. He's like, okay, this is a little baby. I'm going to. Take it over here. Well, as you know, beagles tend to be pretty sweet-natured little dogs. And, and is it a female or a male? It's a male. Male. We had him neutered and I all see. that. But I, anybody out there that wants a pet for their kids, a beagle is the best pet, in my opinion. Well, they're sweet dogs. They really are. I, I hunt with a bunch of friends that have them, and 
they're they're just unbelievably loving and in some cases almost timid little dogs, but they're they're very very sweet. So I, yours is showing the sweet side, Scott. <laughs> yeah, in my I mean, what do I need to do with the baby rabbit? I mean, just take them back to the nest if I can find it. Yeah, or in the area of the nest because they'll make little noises where Mama will come find them. Uh, but if you can find yeah, the nest, that'd be a great asset. Yeah, they were they were doing whenever I was holding them a while ago. It's like they're grinding their teeth, making a noise. Yes, yes. Okay, how long okay. how long have you had them? Just like, well, whenever I called you, like maybe twenty minutes. Oh, I, I see. Well, yeah. If you can find the area where that nest might have been, and then you can release them. That's the best shot they got. All right. Okay. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thank you I appreciate a lot. it. Let's go to RJ, who's been patiently holding on. Hey, RJ, how you doing? I'm doing okay, Mr. Strader. Please call hey, me Jim. You don't think, <laughs> oh, uh, yes, yes, Jim. You don't think maybe a pet store or something would be a good idea for Scott's new family? No, I don't. Okay. Well, that answered that. Took care of that. Well, well two- and that, maybe that bears some explanation. Uh, wild animals absolutely positively have their best shot if they're if they remain in the wild and if they if if he can find anywhere near where that rabbit nest is that's the best thing and uh, could a pet store maybe take them and what have you but there's laws against having wild animals in captivity well, it was a whole can of worms so my answer is no I don't think it's that's the best idea honestly Okay, just like the birds and stuff, the ones that stay wild, that that's that's how they know what to do. That's it. Okay, then, yes, sir. Uh, well, uh, yes, sir. But the next thing was, you had a guest on Easter, Easter this month, Easter Sunday, and that person, I mean, just said it right on the level. He said what needs to be done with these people when they catch them, if they can. And he laid it out. Now, you remember who I might be speaking of? He got right with the program about this problem. Uh, well, yes and no. We have so many callers. Uh, were you talking well, about the individual was, that, that really wanted capital punishment? That's what he said. He said, take them back out and put them on public, execute them. You know? That, mm-hmm. I mean, that I, was, I turned the radio up. I was like, oh, shoot, I I'd forgotten all about that. Well, but uh, anyway... Go ahead. Well, uh, yes, sir. I mean, yes, sir. But the next thing I wanted to know, because I'm kind of a city guy, <laughs> you can't tell. But um, anybody that was to catch fish out of, like, the Ohio River, I know you guys, well, a lot of people, except your guest, Mark, or your caller, Mark, just called in. He says he catches. What is the best way to clean a fish that might come out of the Ohio or you might find in a supermarket, you, say you, find, you might find a nice-looking fish and you get it there or something. I've heard the one way I've heard, would you catch something out of the house? Some people say no. Some people say yeah, but they said they put it in a five-gallon bucket of salt water and let it set overnight. That's the only thing I've heard. Some people yay, some people nay. And I can take this answer off the air, too. Um how would you, you know, with a fish that, you know, other than that, it looks okay, but how would you clean a fish? And um, thank you for your time. Okay. RJ, the uh, the methodology for cleaning fish out of the river that I would recommend would definitely be to fillet the fish, 
remove its skin and definitely trim off any fat uh, on the fish whatsoever. For instance, white bass and, and hybrids and stripers and catfish tend to have uh, fat deposits uh, on the top of their fillets. You want to trim that off because most of the uh, problems in those type of fish out of the river are in the internal organs or in the fat in the fish. Now, there are health advisories on fish in the river. Uh, They're way too numerous for me to go over here on the air right now. But um, basically, if you trim it down to the actual muscle tissue, do away with the skin, any of the fat, etc., that's your best shot at at, uh, removing most of those contaminants. So those would be my recommendations for uh, cleaning fish out of the river or anywhere else that you think there may be any contaminants, whether it's mercury or uh, PCBs, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of contaminants that are in some of our river systems. And and uh, whenever I'm cleaning catfish in particular, white bass in particular, hybrids, all those tend to have a pretty uh, good bit of fat on the top of the fillet. Uh, and I always am very, very careful to over-trim that, if you will, and I always take the skin off. I never scale uh, fish like white bass or even the crappie or other game fish, bluegill, whatever you catch out of the river, in my estimation, you ought to take the skin off and trim the fat. So I think that probably answers most of your question regarding that. Let's go to break here, folks. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. Paul Thomas is the broker there. They have vacation cabins, wildlife management properties, and farms. They're good for either purchasing or selling. If you have a property that you'd like to sell and it's got wildlife potential or if it's a farm uh, or any type of property for that matter, but they mainly focus on wildlife or outdoor properties for farming, wildlife management, and or vacations. They're located in Munfordville, Kentucky. They'll do a great job for you. Check them out at mophartrealty.com. Are we doing? Try this. Alexa, wake me up with News Radio 840 WHAS on iHeartRadio. Alarm set. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. Open lines tonight. The numbers to call in and chat with us about your outdoor questions or observations are 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. Let's go to Danny, who's calling from Scottsville, Kentucky. Yes, Danny, you're up. Hey, Jim, how are you this evening? I'm doing just fine, sir. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing good. Driving down I-65, listening to you. I just got to thinking, uh, when I was a kid, before Barron River Lake came in, my grandfather had a farm in the upper end of what's now Barron River Lake. And they had like a two-story concrete block building down there that the men in the community would gather around, and I'm sure no alcohol was involved. But uh, And I don't know that they fished actually legal or not, but the old wooden baskets, the trammel nets, and the gigs, you know. And they would catch enough fish that the whole community would come down there on the 4th of July and just have a big fish fry and the kids played. You know, times were a lot different then and a lot slower. And uh, But it's just amazing that those old home – and I've got one hanging up in my shop building that belonged to my grandfather, the old homemade wooden basket that he used. 
Uh huh. Yeah. So, those uh those those folks used to look at fishing game really as as a a matter of sustenance, and it was a different yeah. different mindset than what we have now. And of course, there wasn't the pressure on the fish that there is now. So you're right; that, it was a, it, it was a different time, but it was a part of the culture, and it was one that was very much revered by folks back in the, those past era times. Uh, and uh, my, my my mother would sit there on the bank of the river with a cane pole. And a can of worms, and that's the only way she wanted to fish with a cane pole all of her life. That's all she wanted was a cane pole. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's the way I started. So, <laughs> it's 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 better than a kid trying to reel a reel in backwards and getting the twine and getting the line all tangled up in it. Yes, sir. It sure is. I I tell you, I started that way, and and uh, still love to crappie fish with a with a fifteen foot pole where you're. What I call dipping, uh, minnows or jigs for crappie. It's, it's just a lot of fun doing that. And if you're fishing with a cork, watching that cork go under is pretty interesting. I got a friend of mine, Charlie Capshaw, that has a saying I think you'll you'll appreciate, and it goes along with cane pole fishing or fishing later in life. And he said, "You know what? One of the prettiest places on any lake is." I said, "Where's that, Charlie?" He said, "Right there, where that cork goes underwater." <laughs> That's true. Yes, that's true. It sure is. And well, I don't know how they cleaned their fish back then, but they didn't really worry about it back then. But no. I just wanted to give you a call. Just, I just got to thinking about that. Gosh, that's probably been sixty, six, at least sixty years ago. And when, uh, when they we used to go down there as kids and stuff, and then of course the lake, Grand River Lake came in, and that that went away. The the two story old camp building went away, and, and everything else. So. Those were the times. Well, I appreciate. I'm sure my grand, I'm sure my grandfather and a group of the men in that community had a lot of a lot of things going on when they were fishing down there. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised, Danny. Thanks for the trip down memory lane. All right, Jim. You have a good evening. Yes, Thank sir. You. Let's go to Travis, who was wants to have a question about fishing. It looks like. Yes, Travis. Hey, Jim. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How you doing? Oh, I could have been better. We fished a little club tournament down the Rough River, and uh, we're catching a bunch of little bitty bass, but I don't know where them biggins are. What, what's going on with these lakes around here? Well, I assume rough's still real high, isn't it? Yes, sir, about 12 feet. Yep. Uh, it's just been such goofy weather. that it, The best way I can describe it, and I'm a firm believer in this, fish go through cycles on a weekly basis where – some days conditions are excellent for feeding activity, other days they're not. And it, it takes a consistent pattern of two to three days for fish to get in what go. I call a cycle. You know what I'm saying? If it's if we've yeah. had warm nights and warm days and a, a good westerly or southwesterly wind and the water stacking on the north shores, fish set up, the bait gets active, and the bait really in most cases controls a lot of what goes on because if the bait's scattered and suspended and not in shallow areas where the fish can really key on it, you're looking at scattered fish, and and that makes it a lot tougher. Um, and, and what, what about what do you think about when they're when they're draining the water out or they're drawing it back? Do you think them fish pull off the bank and and get out a little deeper? I sure do. I sure do. On average, not all of them will, but if it's if it's a falling water table. 
bass in particular tend to move off the banks and, and pull out to see what's next. All game fish right. have an instinctive reaction to falling water where they don't want to be trapped. I can give you a good example of that. It's an amazing thing to observe. I don't know if you've ever been on the falls of the Ohio over there and fished over oh, yeah. there. Well, I'm sure you've noticed what I'm getting ready to tell you. When they do a rapid drop over there on the falls itself, on those rocks, there'll be thousands and thousands of rough fish trapped uh, trapped in those pools and, and actually just rot and die. You know, they die there. You don't see many crappie or bass or sauger or any of the game fish uh, in that situation on those fast water drops. They're just those those rough fish don't respond quite the same way as as the game fish do. So uh, my observations on that through the years that I fished down there taught me a lot about falling water tables and what different species of fish do, and it certainly is evident to me, especially in my own, you know, personal fishing, that when we have a high barometer and a falling water, buddy, you better move off the banks. You're not going to do real well in shallow water under those conditions in most cases. There we go. All right. Well, they had so much flood, they had so much flooded timber, man, you had to try it, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. What what <laughs> baits were you fishing with, Travis? Uh, we were we were pitching and flipping, and uh, we caught a bunch of 13, 14-inch bass uh, up in the trees. But uh, I'd try a little suspended jerk bait off the trees, but it, I just feel like them fish were below me, and I, I just couldn't get anything down to them. I see. Well, with the warm water, what, what days were you there? Were you there on what kind of weather pattern did you no, fish? No, today. We were there today. Oh, okay. And, uh, it, uh, I think we found 59-degree water was the highest. I see. Well, that's... About what I, you know, have been hearing from everybody and what I've seen in my fishing, we're just now getting to the upper fifties, which you know we're in the third week of April, man. We ought to be at, you know, hey, yes, sir. sixty and better by now, and certainly by the first of May. But we'll see what the rest of the month brings. If we get these rains here next couple of days, if they occur when the when the air temperatures are warm, that'll do a little bit to boost it. But it's it's been slow coming. It just has. It's got, it's got to get better, is all I can say. I hear you. All right, partner. All right, man. Well, thank you. Yes, sir. All right, let's go to, looks like the judge from Louisville. Yes, sir. How you doing, Jimbo? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great, brother. Good. I'm ready to get back to my lake house at Nolan and catch some fish. Tell me, you know, we've been hearing about these Asian carp invasion, the, invading the waterways in and around Kentucky and the efforts that uh, have been made to try to take them out. Tell, give me an update of what's going on with these Asian carp. Well, they're continuing to be a horrible problem at Kentucky Lake, increasingly problematic at, at Barkley. Uh, they're now in, making their march into the upper pools of the Ohio River. Of course, they've been uh, a real problem down in West Kentucky for some time, and now they've gone up towards the – uh, Marklin Pool, and then they're just marching, you know, on up the river. And hopefully they won't invade some of the other lakes, but it's hard to say exactly what they'll do because the way all of our our river and stream systems tend to interconnect, and those things are very migratory, and, and they're doing everything they can to try to get some commercial fishing 
to cut their numbers back, but that's, you know, in its infancy at best. Well, what is the best thing they can do? All it is is commercial fishing. It's the only way to get rid of these these bad boys? I think it is. I think ultimately that's going to be it, unless some kind of disease that they uh, are not immune to because their Asian species can overtake them. Well, so when you say commercial fishing, you... To, to what extent and what level does this, uh, this need to happen, sir? Uh, huge. <laughs> Needs to be a huge industry. And it, there's room for it for uh, food and for and for fertilizer. So we'll see what it gives us. David, i got to go to break here, buddy. Thank you for calling. Hey, All right, folks, we got to go to break. This break is presented by SMI Marine, Legend Bass Boats, Starcraft Pontoons, Express Aluminum Boats. Check them out, smimarine.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.